the essence of Tantra is devotion. And it's to connect to an energy that's bigger than us. And it's eventually an energy that's bigger than has a persona like God. I am an empowerment coach. I am here to empower you to create the life that you want to live. to your intuition, to quit your slave job, to be brave enough to figure out how to serve your sacred purpose. Welcome back, sisters. It is the new moon of February 2019. I just got done doing a live ritual for the new moon. You can find this ritual on my YouTube page at the Silver Lake Priestess YouTube channel. It's just a mini ritual with music and an opportunity to let some things go and set some intentions. We just held the first circle for Goddess Temple Los Angeles. I have a new red tent style training. It's called Awaken Your Inner Priestess, and that's taking place here in Los Angeles, April 5th, 6th, and 7th. And this will be similar but different to the Red Tent Priestess activation in December. I will be bringing in some different facilitators and we will be doing some really deep internal work, which is my favorite. We're going to be doing some dream work. We are going to be working with yoni eggs. We will have the serpents. And it's going to be very deep and powerful. There is a new Facebook group called the Silver Lake Priestess Sisterhood, and I invite you all to join us over there. This is a point of connection for all of the women who have sat in my circles before and all of you that would like to join us. You can sign up for my email subscription at any time by going to jamieblack.net. Just remember that Jamie is spelled J-A-I-M-E. And if that somehow changes in the future, if you just go to jamieblack.com, there should always be a place where you can sign up and you'll get some free songs. And one last thing before we get to the interview, if you love the show, please subscribe. I so appreciate you. I so appreciate you listening to the show and sharing with your sisters. I'd like to tell you now a little bit about our next guest. Her name is Jean Heilerman. She's an incredible yoga teacher. I studied with her for many years. I ended up going into yoga teacher training after I had sustained some injuries to my vocal cords from working and working and working as a waitress. I got the message from spirit that that is not the work I was supposed to be doing. So I went looking for work that I could be doing. And I loved my yoga practice so much that I ended up finding a yoga teacher training that was being offered at a studio that I'd never really been to. And I found myself in the presence of this incredible teacher 
Jean Heilerman. So I'm excited to have her on the show and I'll take you right over to the interview. Welcome to the Silver Lake Priestess podcast. I'm Jamie Black and I am here with Jean Heilerman. Welcome to the show. Thank you. It's an honor. Welcome. We are now venturing into the world of yoga. So I have shared all of the the different paths that I have studied, um, priestessing, witchery, martial arts, yoga, magic. And so Jean was my teacher for my 200-hour teacher training Mm -hmm. um, in about 2010. Mm -hmm. I think so. And so very inspired by her, she also is somebody who is serving her sacred purpose and in a big way. She comes from corporate America and then at some point realized that she had Mm. magic and wisdom to share and that that was her passion and she wanted to make her life about that. So she went into teaching yoga full time um, Mm. with the resistance of like family and friends and all of that stuff and you just like braved Uh, forward and you are such a huge part of so many of our yoga paths I went on to train with her even more and did my whole um, 300 hour getting my five yeah and so hopefully a bunch of our sisters are watching Um, but so yes thank you for being here I love you so much I love you Jamie thank you I'm super honored Yeah. yeah thank you so much you're so welcome so, you know, you're such a priestess yourself, and I don't know if you identify with, with any of that, but you, you do, like, you hold, you're holding ceremony in your class. Yeah. You really are. Yeah. I, do, I mean, the word priestess isn't a word I usually use for myself, and I know some yoga teachers who do, and they sort of, they wear it better. I mean, I have short hair. I'm kind of a dork, and, um, you know, <laughs> you know, but you know, they're beautiful and they do this. And so it's like, oh yeah. Uh, but there's, you know, some people say what they're doing and they use the labels and some people just do it. And so, uh, I do what you mentioned. I, there is without trying to invoke or put something on someone, there is, and there there is an essence of ceremony. There's alchemy in the class. There's absolute alchemy. And that's, I mean, I, I use Tantra, not Tantra. We keep our clothes on, but um, it's Tantra. It's the weaving of all the different energies. And it's uh, moving, working more than just the physical form. And I'm initiated in a lineage. And so I invoke those teachers pretty much every time before I teach a class. Like, you know, if you see me walking to the class, don't run up and say hi, because I'm usually doing mantra and formulating. And if people do run up, it's fine and everything. Um, But I'm often doing some mantras to start to get into an alignment and uh, just asking, you know, may I please hear you? the lineage guide me to what these guys need mm. not let them like me not you know let this go well I hope I execute this pose well because I may show up and realize the pose we don't need to do that pose it may not be the right pose 
uh, but more about just help me, uh, blessing, blessing these souls, help me guide them to where they need to go. And so there is, there is a bit of a ceremony without me forcing something. I was also an actor. I was a classically trained actor. And to me, to many of my classmates and my comrades, the stage is the altar. And so what you, you prepare yourself to step on stage even for rehearsal. And whatever you do on stage, you learn how to just turn it off the moment you step off stage. So if you have to do a romantic scene with someone, it's allowed on the premises of the stage. You dialogue your boundaries. Go for it. But the moment you step off, even if you're attracted to that person, end scene. You're done. So there's that essence of ceremony that comes from Dionysus. You know, from the Greek and everything that uh, probably is in my soul from other lifetimes. Oh, for sure. You know. Yeah. Could do worse. I would like to ask you um, to share what is what is a yogi? What is it? What is the definition? What? How? And and how? How do you feel that and participate in that? Okay. So how do I? Or what is it? In uh, what is the general definition? It can be either. I mean, we're more okay. we're interested in, so we're interested in, in you and okay. hearing you because that's, that's, that's what's most powerful for all of us. Yeah, thank you. Share yeah. ourselves okay. with each other. Yeah. So I, I would say a yogi is one who is aware of themselves because yoga comes from the root word meaning you wrote word huge, meaning union. And so a yogi isn't one who necessarily wears Lululemon pants and wears malas and shows everybody their malas and whatever. And a yogi isn't one who gets up at 5 a.m. and, you know, immediately sits down and meditates or starts their asana practice for two hours. Because a lot of all those things in our outfit and a yogi isn't necessarily one who's a hardcore vegan or vegetarian. A lot of these things people do with their uh, identification. And that's with the ego. And that's with this outer layer, whether it's your body or whether you're, you know, your ideal of who and what you are. And uh, you're identifying with this persona. Like I am a Capricorn and so this is how I am or I am the youngest child so leave me alone this is how I am whatever. A yogi is I will say a yogi is one who will often pause and connect to their breath and connect past their thoughts to their heart. And if they do it through gardening or cooking or asana or I mean there are yogis who don't ever own a mat or do down dog. There are yogis who don't necessarily sit for 30 minutes and do a meditation, but they're kind and open heart, and they're, there's just an inner peacefulness, and the peacefulness comes because you've looked at yourself and you started to clean your crap out. So yogis aren't naturally peaceful. We are humble because we see our crap. Mm. And a lot of people who claim they don't have crap haven't looked at it. 
and or they've started to clean but we go into the depths and we'll clean 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 and we'll realize you're never ever gonna be fully clean because life is gonna throw things to you and that's the purpose of life but a yogi is one i will say who can pause and look at oneself and look past the identification in the mind and catch the ego and where's your soul in this and are you able to access your soul? And you may not articulate that you're doing it, but you, you know, you're just guided to do certain things. That's what, that's my answer. Mm-hmm. It's a good question. I feel it. Of course I do. So. <laughs> you're doing it, girl. You're doing it. Um, yeah. Yeah, it's very much part, it's very much you know, if I'm going to say I'm a priestess and if I'm going to say I'm a witch, which is, you know, something that's been with me for so long. Um, and I'm going to say I'm a martial artist, even if I'm not constantly in practice of that, I am a yogi. It is a huge <laughs> part of my life and changed my life so much of all the stuff that I had gone through, just, you know, we all do, but all of the turmoil and everything that was going on in my life, it was actually in that teacher training I think we did a three month and yeah. at the end of that. And one of the questions was, you know, we were writing something to ourselves as, as our completion of that. And I have it in, I have the little box still oh. and I wrote inside that it gave me my life back. Oh yeah. I hear that a lot. Yeah. yeah. And we did so much deep work in there. So yes, we learned breath and we did pranayama and you did all of our, um, there are spiritual studies and we did the yoga sutras with you. Mm-hmm. It was also really powerful. Mm-hmm. 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 There's, there's magic in the sutras. There's absolutely. And so that's what's, you know, a lot of people think, oh, I don't want to take a teacher training because I don't want to be a teacher or, um, you know, I'm not, it, it, I, you know, some people will say I'm too old. Uh, I'm no longer in my four, even 40s. And um, as you know, it's like, this is a life-changing experience. And because it's just a, it's a, a dive into all that yoga really is. And so it's, uh, as you mentioned, there's pranayama, there's philosophy, there's an essence of spirituality without it being overwhelming or overboard and all of this that ties in and either can be woven into an asana class or separated if some people prefer do the asana and then do everything separate but there's you know there's so much more to yoga than just the asana and that is that's something i found when i started studying with my teacher rod striker and i was like oh my god this is amazing And it was also around a time when my body hit its first uh, uh, major injury. And I was really limited. Like I I could barely walk. And um, and it was never fully properly diagnosed. I went to some Western medicine and they didn't know what they were doing. So I stopped that. Um, And I couldn't get an Eastern person to properly diagnose me. And I was like, I can't teach yoga if this is if this is my body i can't teach yoga i can't keep teaching this way and so it was like well what do i do and when i started studying with rod it was like oh i want to share all this other stuff that goes on 
in addition to the asana. And it really, it, because you're going to have days where you're like, what's the point? I'm never going to lose the 10 pounds. Or what's the point? I lost the 10 pounds. Now what? Or what's the point? I've already done the poses. Now what? Or what's the point? It, you know, it doesn't mean anything. My husband left me. Now what? And it's like at some point we go, it's not, the poses are, aren't always going to fulfill us. And that's where I want to come in to help people realize that there's so much more and that there is fulfillment that we can get in this lifetime. And that I, you know, and I'm so, you know, when you came, you, that was a really powerful group that we had, mm-hmm. and, you know, and you had your own interesting journey. Yes. I broke my foot. Um, so you couldn't do the yoga. Yeah. I was in a, you couldn't do the poses. And I was in a boot and I absolutely needed everything else that you were teaching to get me through that because how, just how horrible, like you pay all this money, you get into the training, you're like, okay, I'm ready. This is like my whole focus for the next three months or whatever. And then now you can't even do it. You have to sit over there and you have to watch. And you know, you handled it well. I've had some other students who've, had an injury earlier in the middle of a training where they can't do the asana and they have gone over to the side and they've been angry lumps. And I tell your story to them Mm. and I tell your story to everybody because it's like, because when you had to do the practice teach at the very end, you rocked it. Even though you hadn't done all those poses because you studied and you were fully present, you were paying full attention um, Rod, my Rod Stryker, uh, I did a, a, a five-day study with him once. And this was over in Santa Monica. And there was this woman in the five days who was in a wheelchair. And she was paraplegic. And I was like, oh, all right. And she was always in the back. And there was this man attending to her because she literally, from here down, she couldn't move anything. And I just thought it was interesting that she was there. And I didn't know her, and I didn't want to enter somebody's space or anything, but I just was observing. It was a full packed house. So the last day, Rod brings her up, and he invites her to talk and tell her story. Well, this woman wasn't, I, I forget where she was located, and I don't remember her name, and, uh, but she was an amazing yoga teacher somewhere, I think, in middle America. And she was doing, like, third or fourth series of Stronger. And she had millions of, not millions, but a lot of people come and take her classes and her trainings. And, and then she went skiing with her son. And she somehow went right into a tree and went down. And she told us this story. And we're all riveted watching her. And she shared that she had this slight out-of-body moment. And she said, okay. Do we keep going or do I stay? And she decided to stay, knowing that it was not going to be an easy road, knowing that pretty much everything was gone. And so this is her soul. This is not her identification. And her soul came back in. And this woman in a, a paraplegic in a wheelchair still fills her teacher trainings. So, and I'm getting to you in your practice teach, she 
teaches and tells somebody something to do and she's embodying it as she's teaching it. And she will sit and do third series internally with her energetic body and with her mental body. So when someone says, I can't do it, so it's not fair, it's like one layer of you can't. But bring your attention and you can. And, and, you know, because at some point our poses leave us anyway, but we can still do the poses with our energy. Or we can do anything with our energy. It's limitless. And so um, you were proof that you didn't have to be doing it and you just executed the practice teach well because you were so fully present while we were teaching this and that's about the knee, the leg, the shoulder, or whatever. And, I, you know, I watched you. You didn't teach from here. You had embodied, embodied it. And that is something. So when if someone says, well, I can't do the yoga, uh-huh. you know, that's okay. There's so many other things. And, you know, eventually our journey as we get older anyway is that our Asana practice gets a little shorter and our meditation pranayama practice ideally gets longer. And that's maturity. Because your body can only take so much. Yeah. <laughs> yes, I know. Also, um, so, well, so how, when did you find yoga? And then what was that process like? You know, sometimes we find something and we're like, oh, how did I not even find this sooner? Like, I'm so this. But when did you find it? And then how was your process of realizing that like you had this calling um, or even if it was just like a gift of being really good at it? Like, so what was that process of realizing that and then really taking ownership of that and moving forward? Well, what I will, I'll start before I answer the first question is wherever we are, Like some people will say, and sometimes I'll look back and say, yes, it all made sense that I'm doing this. We never, we, we should never doubt what we're doing. Is this leading me to where I should be going? Shut up and just trust because it's not going to make sense until you get there. So I didn't find yoga. Yoga found me. Yoga revealed itself and reminded me that my soul had been practicing for many lifetimes before. I was at American Conservatory Theater, uh, 1985, and I was doing their summer congress, and it's a very physical training. And we had things from hand-to-hand combat, ballet, tap, movement, all kinds of different movement modalities and everything, and one was yoga. And it really is, for an actor, especially stage, your body is your toolkit and all of your utensils, and you need a open resonance for your voice to travel, especially if you're filling like a house of a thousand or something. And even if you're on film, you need to know how to move your voice wisely in other areas. So um, yoga was one of the classes. And the moment we took the yoga, and I had been a classical ballet dancer, and I was really loving jazz dance at the time. Bob Fosse was very big. And so, uh, and I was an actress who was very insecure. 
So you're always looking and saying, why did she get the role? She doesn't even look the role. And I don't think she's going to be any good, blah, blah, blah. So, you know, you're always worried about what people would say. And this class, she had us close her eyes and go into a pose and be in it. And I was like, wow, my whole world opened up. Because I didn't hear the critical voices and I found my home. And this was in San Francisco. And then soon after that, I went to London and I did postgraduate training in London, theater, drama. And I kept taking yoga and movement wherever I was. And around the age of, uh, so that was around 21. Around the age of 24, I made a list of all the things I ever wanted to do in my life. And one was to teach yoga. So it was like, okay. So just lived my life. Did, you know, acting, had a life crisis, got a master's degree, had another life crisis. Don't doubt yourself. Just live your life. So I'm like floundering. And all of a sudden, I had this life crisis in 1996. And it was just like, I was now working. I was, I spent three years in the corporate world of nonprofit. Before that, I was temping in the corporate world as I was pursuing acting. But uh, I was, uh, I hate, I, I wasn't the right fit for the job. I did it well, but it was not my environment. It was not, I was dying inside. It's one of those things where I was listening in the morning in the shower to an NPR story about women in prison who were trying to rehab their life. And I was crying, wanting to be with them. And not wanting to be out of prison in my life. And so I finally quit that job with no other job and took a yoga teacher training in 1996. And I started teaching near the end of 96. And I thought, I'm going to teach once a week. And then I will go get a job at Time Warner so I can finally pay off my school loan. Because I wasn't making a lot of money in nonprofit. And uh, I kept saying yes to sub jobs and I loved doing this. And it was like, oh, this is easy compared to sitting at my desk for 70 hours a week trying to solve all, it was, it was a hard, hard job. And so I, um, I just kept saying yes and yes. And in, in like three or four months, I mean, this was 1996 and then 1997. Yoga was not the boom it is now. And, uh, so there were a lot of subbing opportunities. And before I knew it, in like three or four months, I was teaching 22 classes a week, which is too much. Mm-hmm. But I didn't know that. That's insane. <laughs> and that included privates. But I still was like, this is easy compared to what I was doing. But I burned myself out because I, I learned about Ayurveda later. But it was very, all of a sudden, it started to feel like, oh, Everything I've been doing is starting to make sense. All the acting training that I felt sometimes like a failure in acting because I was sabotaging myself with all of my auditions, all of the work in graduate school where I would create programs, I started to create workshops. Uh, Just everything that I had been doing was starting to make sense. And, but still you'll hit, I mean, when you're in your dharma, when you're doing what you are supposed to be doing, you're going to still have phases of scratching your head going, 
should I be doing this? Maybe I should just go be a secretary, you know? And I'll still hit those moments, but that's when we start to learn how to listen to our heart and to our gut. And if our heart and gut say, you, you know, the, it's something that I quoted on um, Facebook and Instagram, something for the Bhagavad Gita that said, you know, you have the, you, you have the right to do your dharma, but, and you need to do your dharma, not someone else's dharma. You need to do what you're supposed to do. Even if what you're doing, you can do really well and you're hiding behind it and it's actually someone else's dharma. But you're hiding because it's easy and you're making money and you're afraid to step into what you really, your gut knows you should be doing. And it doesn't mean everybody quit your job, but there's a way to find, you know, to start to step into what's scary and even if we're not successful, it doesn't mean we've failed. And I think that's really important. Because when we look at the world of the successes, for every Thomas Edison, there are scientists who are also figuring out the electricity. He wasn't the only one figuring this thing out. But they didn't get acknowledged. But it's through the energy of the world, of their playing with it, that fed to where he's the one who finally clicked it and he got all the notoriety. And I think what we, you know, our society right now is so notoriety hungry. Yeah. And it, could we pull back and be more, you know, karma yoga, could we be more interested in the doing of what we're doing and doing it well do we land on a few? And if we land on more, that's good. Just be careful you don't get sloppy. Be careful it doesn't go to your ego. And if it doesn't succeed, we have to really check in what is the definition of success. Because maybe we're supposed to be here to spur the next person. And when we say, well, they took my idea, maybe we're supposed to be the one to have given them the idea and we played our role. We don't know until the end. And I've been reminded by a wonderful teacher. She, she said when I was very frustrated about something and it's not fair and I didn't get much. I only got this sliver of connection with the divine and everybody else got a lot. And she said, we must always be grateful for anything we get. I was like, oh, you're right. I'm so sorry. I completely closed the door once I started getting upset that I didn't get more. Mm-hmm. My bad. So I just gave you a lump thing. Uh, so the answer is, I, you know, yoga found me, but, and, and who knows, maybe this is taking me to where I'm supposed to go. Mm-hmm. Maybe this isn't, a, oh, I don't know. But I do love that I'm, uh, I'm wanting to reach more people and help them find their souls and connect to their soul. That's my goal. Yeah. And, and, and you help us dig up all of that stuff. Like while we're in class, I was, I, I went to Jean's class this morning and I had uh, inviting another sister that couldn't come. She's from out of town. So I was explaining what you do. Ah. We had just been in a really intense, like three day transformational workshop this past weekend and I'm like, well, it's going to be like that. Yoga. 
<laughs> I'm like, she's gonna bring it up so that you can feel it and process it. And um, that, well, that's why I say that you're a priestess because, um, yeah. yeah. And uh, we all- Well, you know, and the thing is some people would say, I want that. Yeah, I don't want it. That's not fun. And that's fine. I was, when I was younger, I probably felt the same way. My whole thing is if there's mold in your refrigerator, don't buy more food and put it in front of the mold so you don't see the mold because the mold is going to eat that food too. So put on your glove, put on your gloves, put on the mask and let's gently with a kind heart and some sense of humor, let's go get that mold and take it out. And in the process, you actually have to touch it and feel it and acknowledge it. But we're removing it versus I'm not about sit in your shit or sorry, but in your crap and, you know, be in your sadness. And it's like, no, you don't really have to do that. And you don't have to clean everything out. You can clean one inch. And leave six inches, you know, because some days we're or phases. We're going to go through phases where it's like, I can't do much cleaning right now. So then we do maintenance program. We just do a little bit. Breathe. Yes. Yes. Breathe deep. So what is it like now? Like, what are you doing with yoga? What kind of, what is your, what does your life look like? It's, it, it's constantly changing. 2018 was a constant change. I looked back and I saw that only once was I, the longest time I was home was for three weeks. Wow. And, uh, and so I was constantly adjusting and adapting. It was like, okay, this new reality. Okay, this new environment. Okay, this, we start at this hour. I have to get up early. I would start at this. I'm not going to get up so early that I can sleep in. I, you know, I'm going to sleep for a week, you know, when I'm home. Um, uh, but so now I'm getting ready to go to India. And I'm ready. I need to go back home. You know, my soul's home. And when I take myself to India, I don't always have a grand old time on the outside. But my soul, it's a commitment I've made with my soul. And so uh, it's a month of study and practice, you know, studying with my teachers and then a, month, a week of just doing personal practice. Uh, right now, what my life is like, I'm not teaching a steady group classes. When I'm back in LA, I'll sub. And I've cultivated and created this school called Tantra Flow Yoga. And so last year, 2018, I taught the 200 hour portion in two different locations. And I taught, uh, yeah, that's all I, no, I taught one module of my 300 hour. And I'm going to start my 300 hour again. And that's really where my juice is, is once you know the alignment, now let me take you somewhere really cool. And let me, because now I don't have to teach the alignment. Let me take you on a journey inside your body, through your breath, or working with all the aspects of your mind, or even past that to accessing your soul and towards your heart. And yeah, through doing asana and pranayama and then into meditation. I really love, even in Los Angeles where there's a lot of stress, there's a lot of anxiety and it's understandable, the traffic and 
it's the city of so many creative types and so much, there's a lot of business of all types in Los Angeles. There's a lot of people working with, for all these people. So they're stressed because they get all the pressure and they come to yoga. Uh, I love taking even what seems like a superficial group of Los Angeles and getting them to a place of like, huh. oh. And they start to see their own beauty. And I feel like, okay, that's why I got out of bed. You know, so that's what my life looks like right now. When I'm in LA, I'll sub. And uh, otherwise, I travel a lot. I'm traveling around the globe. I'm getting ready for um, returning to Spain again after India. And then I'll go back in the fall and I'm going to visit a bunch of other cities before that. So we can get our certifications from you now. You can. You can. Sometimes I'll teach the 200-hour in California. And uh, right now I'm doing my 300-hour in Mallorca, Spain. And uh, at some point I'm open to having it take place somewhere else, but I just haven't found the right place yet. So, Or the place hasn't found me, as yoga found me. Uh, and, you know, I'm sending invitations out to the universe. We'll see what happens. But Mallorca is beautiful, and it's an unknown island, not very populated by Americans. So nobody hear me. Uh, don't tell anyone. Uh, it, it is a lot of Brits and Germans come to Mallorca and Swedes. So it's uh, got an expat feel. And it's beautiful. It's got a rich history. And there's a lovely studio that I work with and a beautiful community. So I've been working with her for almost 10 years now. Wow. So, yeah, I know. You went so, to Spain for a little chunk during our training. I remember that. That was my first visit. Yes. Yes. That makes sense. Yes. Yeah. I, I really wanted to go to Mallorca. Um, what, well, is, what, is that, what is that trip? What is it? It is, so it's the 300-hour training is broken into three 100-hour pieces. And no one teaches that I'm aware of, or, you know, they might teach it differently. You know, the 200-hour the training is, well, okay, let's do this. So this is. I love these. <laughs> everybody likes these. So this is, you know, many people know, oh, it's a Marushka doll. And, it's, and then I'll say to people, what do you know about this doll? Let's say there's other dolls inside. And I'll say, but can you see them? No, but I know that there are. And it's like, because you've experienced them. And this is like us. This is our body. And some of us are as round. Who cares? Some of us are not, whatever. But ever, so this is a 200-hour teacher training focuses on the physical. And it should. Because a lot of people are going to go out and teach right away. So you need to learn how to look for proper alignment and keep your students safe. But inside this little doll are five other dolls. Actually, this one that might have others. So there's another body. This is known, the outer form is known as the, these are koshas, they're layers, they're sheaths. So this is known as the Anamaya kosha. And Ana is after the term Anapurna. And she is the goddess of food. And everyone in India prays to her for food, literally. Please feed us. Please, you know, bless our crops, et cetera, et cetera. Please can we have some food? So this is our food body. This is the body that lives off of uh, our solids and our liquids. 
But we have another body called the pranic body. So the work you did with me today, we were doing a lot of alternate nostril breathing and starting to feel alternate nostril breathing without your hand. Can you do that? And then can you feel your breath move through just one side of your body? And there's other things where we feel the breath move through the meridians and through the channels, the shashumna and the pingala. So this is the pranamaya kosha. I'm trying to figure out the right way. Um, and when we breathe in certain areas, it'll actually make your pose worse. And when we breathe in other areas, it's going to make your pose better. So I can tell you everything until the cows come home about how to do bow pose. You know, where you reach your arms back and take your feet, the back bend, and you're on your belly. And I'll teach you everything about lifting the front armpits, set the arms in external rotation, bring the ears back, set the neck, certainly set your four wheels, you know, take care of yourself, have your legs set, blah, blah, blah. And you can still say, I don't like the pose. It doesn't feel good. But if I start asking you to breathe in a different way, you might say, oh, my God, who knew? This is an amazing pose. Because how we breathe can be the cause of making the pose not work. It also could be the cause of our body not functioning properly. Some of us were not eliminating properly because of how we're breathing or not breathing. And some of us were having a lot of digestion problems and other uh, intestinal problems because of how we're breathing or not breathing. And so this is to understand that and to work with the bandhas and things. So, but that's not all. And it's not just you sit and do pranayama. You actually do this while practicing, as you experience today. And there's this other lovely little body, small in stature but mighty, called the manamaya kosha. This is the mind. And we know that the mind, it's energy, but it's a powerful body. If you walk into a room when someone is having an argument, and you can feel the tension when they're not even talking. And, the, you know, you can even, someone can come into the room, and if they're all pissed off, you can feel their energy. And that's their body. Their energy is bigger than their physical form. And so we learn that that mind stuff has an anatomy. And we break, by breaking down the anatomy, we can say, oh, you know what? Oh, this is ego. And it's not a judgment, but to realize, oh, my God, that all of this is ego. Wow, I'm identifying with things. Or if we realize, oh, it's just a lot of stuff in my mind and I'm hanging on to history. Oh, now I know how to calm it down. So there's tools and techniques, how to calm all this stuff down. Because if everyone wants to rush into meditation, but nobody realizes that you need to be able to concentrate for about 18 minutes before you really drop into meditation. Mm -hmm. So instead of sitting for 10 minutes in meditation, we need to be working on our concentration. And most, especially in the West, we're so ADD, you know, scenes and films are only one minute long or even 30 seconds. And so we need to learn how to be still and to keep coming back to a focus. And then the other inner body smaller still, but powerful, is called wisdom body. So that's the wisdom that you've had that's guided you. The wisdom that told me, take a yoga teacher training, quit your job, what? Everyone's going <laughs> to, you know, my, my father at a party in front of me said, I don't know why 
right, she did it, but she just quit her job. And I'm standing there, humiliated. But I had a mantra that said, and this is where we're different. And it's okay, you know. But, um, but I, now, and at the time, everybody's thinking, what are you doing? Because in 96, there were, yoga was not a $16 billion industry. Right. You know, so the training is these three little bodies that it focuses on. Each 100 hour focuses on one. We do asana uh, that applies to each and uh, it's very thorough. And then everyone says, well, what about the last one? And I say, well, once I teach a few more trainings, then I'm going to take everyone with me to India. And then we'll do this one. We'll do that one. Well, that's cool. I love those little dolls. You had those in our first, my first. Yes, I did. Yes. Yes. I have to give a shout out. Cleo Manuelian gave these to me when she took the subtle body from me. And it was a gift. And I have some back at home. My parents brought, um, gave me, but I just use these now. So shout out to Cleo. Thank you. They're still working. Well, thank you for that. It's such a treat. I mean, I feel like I feel like everything you've been sharing with us has been a teaching, but that was really that was really great. And I love doing that work with you and I love the class that you guide. I mean, we were doing it today. Yeah. I've done I will I've done an entire series with you where like mm-hmm. week we're doing we're breathing in a different way. Mm-hmm. Um getting to experience how it doesn't work in how it does work and those these are some of the things that are just real I don't want to call them treats because they're like more than that but these are like the jewels um that we're getting out of out of the study and out of a teacher like you which you know it's this is not just um what is available in all classes. Yeah, it's, well, thank you. I mean, and, and it's not for everybody. This is for someone who's been doing asana for a while, so they are good. I mean, if you're new to yoga, you might like me, and you might not, and that's fine. Yeah. Well, I have to live with me, so I'm good. But, uh, but no, I mean, really, seriously, if someone's newer to yoga in the first few years, it's natural. You want to just get your A's, your B's. You want to get the there is an adrenaline just in doing all of that. And, but after a while, it's like, where's the more? And if, you know, the question is, if you're doing yoga, but you're having a hard time with challenges, then the yoga isn't really fully helping you. Because we want our yoga to help us become better human beings. And it goes back to what is a yogi? And a yogi is one who can pause and be, you know, collect oneself and acknowledge when one isn't collected. Like, you know, there's times when I, I'm spinning and I'm aware, I'm, I'm intelligently aware you are so fragmented, Jean. At least I know it and I can start to do things to help it. But, you know, even if you're doing a strong asana practice, if it's helping you to connect to your truth with a capital T and to really start to listen to know your truth with a capital T, what is your truth? And again, that gets closer to what is you, it helps you find what is your dharma, what are you supposed to be doing, uh, what is your soul 
wanting to do in this lifetime? And what is your calling? What is your journey? You used a different terminology, but it's all the same concept. So, um, but it's, you know, that's it, whatever form that we do, if, if it helps us find what is our truth and that we, the more we shine light on it, the more it can guide us. So I wanted to ask you um, just a quick thing about the meditation that you were talking about. Mm -hmm. so, then somebody needs to be, you know, needs, but it's maybe suggested that somebody be doing a meditation that is at least 20 minutes long because there's a lot of this, just do meditate for five minutes. And maybe in the beginning, if you're having a hard time, even just like sitting down, but mm -hmm. just do a mm -hmm. five minute meditation, just do a 10 minute meditation. Is that not? Um... So I know, and I even have things that are recorded. It's like a 10 minute meditation. Uh, it is just know that uh, in, you're probably not going to drop super deep in five minutes. And in fact, you probably shouldn't. And if you are able to drop super deep in five minutes, you shouldn't be living in an urban area and you shouldn't be driving. Mm -hmm. you know? <laughs> because your ability to drop that deep so quickly could be a little hazardous when you're encountering others and you're actually, you know, writing a check and, you know, paying your bills. You might accidentally give all your money away. Um, so wise boundaries. Um, so there's, yeah, that's what, when people hear this, they go, well, then should I not? And I don't have 20 minutes. How do I do this? It's like, do the 10 minute meditation and just know that it's, while it will be guided, and I've taken also other guided, I, some of my teachers have 10 minute meditations, then they're lovely. And they do take you to another place. It's still not going to drop you in 10 minutes all the way to the fifth layer you just can't yeah and that's okay now it might drop you from the outerest to the second that's really great yeah and at least or it's going to take us to the third, which is the mind, where we realize, I'm sorry, I can't quiet my mind today. At the fact that you're noticing, wow, my mind is going crazy, and I'm raging about that argument because I'm still holding on to that argument from two weeks ago. You know, half the time, we don't even know that we have anger, and we're holding on to anger. And then it comes out in other ways, where we react to our child or to our beloved or you know, to the person at the coffee shop. Or it comes out in an email and you didn't mean it that way, but you weren't as careful in the energy as you were typing and you were thinking of that thing, but answering this question, that energy went there and you're going to have another problem to clean up. Is that where you would say that the shadow resides? Um, ask, ask this question in a different way. Before I answer. Okay, so shadow work. This is something that I am about to do a very deep dive into. Okay. Um, and last year, doing um, some shadow work with Joanna Lindenbaum, 
just the tiniest bit changed my whole life. And as you know, I'm a Scorpio. I'm into diving into the depths of it. I have my own emotional trauma that with my family that can just bring me, you know, right into those places. And it's also like where I've learned my strength and um, how I, there's, you know, part of my purpose is attached to that. So there's just, that's in my thought process right now. And that is something that I'm thinking of. So when you were saying that, it just made me think, oh, because that's, so the thing about our shadow is that it's parts of ourself that we hide, that we scoop under the rug. And just because we're scooping it away doesn't mean that it's not existing. And so if you never do this type of work and look in your shadow, you have hidden these things from your awareness, but you have not hidden them from your personality and from your behavior. And mm -hmm. awareness is, is like the first thing, right? Before you can work on anything. So you can never clear any of that. That shadow is staying in its whatever unhealthy form that it's in and staying whole and complete like that, like hidden. Mm -hmm. so there's lots of, I mean, like it's things that I'm learning now, but uh, there's lots of technique and um, mm -hmm. meditation and all of that to get in there. Yes. So while you were saying that, it just kind of. So in Tantra, we don't use the word shadow. And um, I have, you know, it's a very popular terminology that's come up in the last few years and necessary. Uh, we use other terms, but it is the same concept. So Tantra is about really looking, and it goes back to the definition I gave as a yogi, who knew that what came out of me was actually possibly the theme of this whole thing. It's one who is whole. Well, shadow, what is a shadow? It's the dark place, right? And anything is dark until, until you turn a light on it. And so it, the moment you start looking at a part of yourself that you don't like to look at, you're starting to turn a light on it. It's no longer so dark. So we do practices, Shvedhaya is a word you've learned from the Yoga Sutras, of self-study, of observing. There's many different layers of Shvedhaya, but one is really looking at yourself. And, um, you know, it's remarkable how many people do not observe themselves. And don't, uh, the word is, uh, the, the terminology is leaving me, but just don't observe like, oh, wow, I'm actually speaking a little too fast here. I'm interrupting this person a lot. Oh, I'm actually, you know, when uh, people don't always observe themselves. So looking at oneself and saying, oh, you know, I'm feeling angry. I'm feeling jealous. Ooh, I'm feeling jealous. Ooh. And then there's the ego that says, oh, but that's a bad thing. I don't feel jealous. It's like, oh, actually, I feel jealous. The moment you start to look at it, you're starting to break it down and dismount. It's like going into that refrigerator and getting that piece of mold and getting it out. And uh, so we do something called vichara. And vichara is where you really start to look at yourself uh, about stuff that's coming up, especially if you're having a problem and what's stopping you. And also with Rod's book, The Four Desires, he talks about um, having an intention, a goal, I wanna do this, and then realizing I'm not doing it though. 
Like my intention is to stand up when the alarm goes off. <laughs> Let's say that's my sankalpa, but my vikalpa is I really want to stay in bed because I don't want to face the day and there's nothing exciting in the day for me. So, and I love my covers and I'm tired and I don't have enough sleep and uh, the day doesn't excite me. So while I want to be able to stand up and get going and I should get up and I should go meditate in this. So I'm going to stand up when my alarm goes off. I don't know why, but I keep hitting the snooze button and for another hour. So what's my V culpa? What's stopping me? So you could say, what's my shadow? It's the same terminology, but yes, it's about looking and, and this is, you know, Dantra, again, you referred yourself as a witch. In India, in ancient times, tantric practitioners were considered witchcrafter, witchcraft, because there's a mantra you can do and it will make somebody drop dead. You can access, you can find, you know, you have to work a little hard to find that book and to get somebody to give you that mantra, but you can do that mantra with a little few hand gestures and somebody's going to drop dead. There's a mantra you can do where you can read people's minds. There's mantras where you can bring a corpse back to life. And it was actually in the newspapers in the 1930s or the 40s in India when that actually happened. And so and that was one example, but that it's happened a lot. So a lot of India sees Tantra as witchcraftery. And, and, uh, and that is actually considered left-hand Tantra, where they're using a lot of the crazy powers. But really the essence, and I bet for you as well, the essence for witchcraftery, it's the heart. To connect, the essence of Tantra is devotion. And it's to connect to an energy that's bigger than us. And it's eventually an energy that's bigger than has a persona like God. Like for many people, God is this white beard man who judges. And sometimes he's nice and you can curl up into his lap. It's the emperor. It's just a tarot card. (laughs) Well, whoever, you know, and, you know, and the Native Americans would say it's not God. It's, you know, Mother Nature. It's the mother. And so whatever it is at some point, uh, whatever it is, Tantra's connects has such a devotion to this and it does see and it's working with energies and vibration thoughts are vibrations and mantra sound and words are vibrations and so you can actually recalculate mantra and thought to change things and so that can be considered witchcraft but we can also use it for good. So what we do is first we try to clean ourselves. And then when we are pure, I mean, you're never fully pure if we're in the human form, but when we're as clean as we can and we're vibrating sincere love, then we can actually be the positive change that this world is needing. So Tantra says, you know, yes, the world's falling apart. Go to the march, go, you know, fight, get people to vote, and clean up your inside. Because once you clean up your inside, how you vibrate with others is going to be the solution. 
getting angry and marching and telling people how to behave, you can clean up the beach from pollution. But you know what? People are going to bring more pollution and garbage on the beach next week. You can clean your kitchen and it's going to get dirty again. But if you clean your inside, no matter how dirty the kitchen gets, you can, it's, you can start to make a change. I'm not sure if my examples were as good, but I hope that made sense. Totally makes sense. And if everyone did it, if everyone well, doing it, people were not so concerned with fixing each other, but more focused on... That's where we... It's a, that's a conundrum. That's where... And I, you know, I, I'm in alignment with you. I'm in agreement. But keep in mind, we have to have an essence of humility. Those who are trying to fix everybody are saying, if only everybody would get fixed, everything would be better. And everyone's going, yeah. And then there's another group over there who are so unaware of anything going, would people just stop talking about fluffy things and let's all make more money. So my point is, However passionate your view is, we have, well, again, this is still my view, but uh, can we be okay with people having a completely different view? And if we can't, that's, you know, why there are wars, even religious wars, because all of a sudden people were like, no, my God is better. And you're praying wrong. And so, you know, whether it's just, I just observe, I'm, I'm my feet are, I, I have family that are very conservative, more in the conservative world. Uh, and, you know, the yoga is all very weird. I have, you know, friends and practitioners who are even more enmeshed than I. I have people, I know people from all different, and it's just, you know, plus I travel and I connect with so many different types of people and different languages and different uh, traditions. You know, you bow a lot in uh, Asia. You kiss on cheeks in Europe and penning the country three or two. You shake hands in certain areas in America. Now we're all bear hugging. Can we, you know, do I go to, to Europe and say I don't kiss? And say you must do it my way? Can we start to be okay learning everyone else's language and be okay when people do things differently? Up and to a degree, you know, and, unless someone harms, you know, people. And I think that's, uh, so we're getting rather deep, but yes, the whole thing is we would like people to believe our way, but then it will be very boring. And that's the thing. Shakti, she's going to shake things up because she, she wants us to grow. So that's, you know, whenever you hit an obstacle, and I do this often, it's like, oh, man, you're wanting me to grow again? It's like, I'm, you know, I've grown. But the moment we get relaxed, she's going to throw a person who has a different opinion. She's going to throw an obstacle. She's going to throw a big fat bill. She's going to throw, you know, God knows what, and say, go some more, please. <laughs> and you're like, <laughs> you know? That's what makes everything so much fun. Sorry? It makes everything so much fun. It makes for a good story. You know, when we're 80 and we tell the stories, we'll look back and we won't remember all the pain. 
Yeah. And what, you know, if we go through the pain, uh, can we start to, what I usually do is, I mean, last, this past year, 2018 had a lot of bumps and a lot of unexpected turns. And I just kept looking up saying, what, what are you, it, not like, oh, poor me, but what are you doing? What are you showing me? And when something wasn't like, you know, I got stuck in a city and I couldn't go to the city I'm supposed to, it was like, okay, you apparently want me here. What am I supposed to see? And I see if it was my mistake, it was like, okay, I have to look back on my mistake and how can I fix that and what do I need to learn from this? So whatever's happening, instead of just going, oh, you know, poor me, it's like, what are you showing me? How can I grow? Or maybe it's about, I need to be helping somebody. Yeah. Um, a new way that I've been looking at things lately is instead of, you know, why is something happening to me? Looking at it like, this is happening for me. Why is Oh, that beautiful. Yes. And then yes. can I make around that? Yes, I've been hearing that. I don't know exactly who I got it from, but there's a couple coaches that are, are using that. And um, it's been awesome. Just yeah. awesome perspective. Very true, because... Uh, you know, if we look at, again, I'm going with the perspective that, that we are not just our bodies in this persona that, uh, and I, I do like the perspective of, uh, reincarnation and so our soul being in different bodies. And even for somebody who doesn't believe it, if you could just come along for the ride for the moment, um, you know, the scriptures all say you will never be harmed. Our body might have some harm, but we are never, our soul never gets harmed. And, you know, uh, I read this book that talked about what happens to souls in between the lifetimes. And sometimes it's the soul agrees. Okay, you're right. This lifetime coming up, it's going to be a hard lifetime. Like some of us are having a hard life. And what's really hard, if you look at the Kardashians or anything and, or anybody and see how better someone else's life is, it's like, how do we know that we didn't make a pact that this life is going to be hard? And so we're supposed to handle it with grace and work on that. And the more we work on that, we're going to get, you know, accolades when we finish and we are free of this physical form. And so for any of our obstacles and any of our challenges, you know, apparently our soul was like signed up for it all. So can we, like you said, this is happening for me. I actually called for this. So how, you know, can I be, that's where the yoga come, you know, chill out of the ego and the self-identification and open your heart and say, where, what's my lesson in this? How can I, how can I grow or how can I help someone else grow or how can I just be present? And maybe I don't get it, but can I be present? Mm -hmm. Deep. Yes. So Sorry. Deep. Yeah, no, that's what we like. Okay. Thank you so much, Jean. Thank, Thank you so much for coming on and sharing with all of us. Oh, it was an honor and a joy. Thank you, Jamie. I love what you're creating. I'm so inspired. Thank you. I'm so happy to see you bloom. Thank you. You've been yeah. such a huge part of my journey, and I always get so much out of coming to your class. 
Oh, thanks. It hasn't been like a year because you've been traveling. It's my fault. It is your fault. It's my um, fault. <laughs> such, such an inspiration and such a teacher. And I thank you. Thank you. And thank you for coming on my show and blessing us and educating all of us. Thank you so much. So it's such an honor. And thank you all for listening. So nice to meet everybody. And um, how to find you. I will put all of your links and everything in the show notes, but just for those who are listening right now. Oh, sure. Come to my website and um, it's www.jeanheileman.com. And how do you spell that? First name is French, J-E-A-N-N-E. And then right into it, Heileman, H-E-I-L-E-M-A-N.com. And if that's still complicated, I believe you can do Tantra Flow Yoga. TantraFlowYoga.com. That's my website. We've got everything that's, uh, I, there's a number of stuff in the fall that's not posted yet, but the two major programs, uh, my teacher training in Spain and a fun, wonderful retreat in Hawaii coming up in May, or no, in July. We're just, we're just going to hang out in hammocks. Do you have anything online? like uh, videos and things like that? Do you have yes, that? I have classes in two, uh, yogainternational.com. A wonderful, wonderful website. And that's if you go to my website, there's online classes. There's a tab you can find. And then I also have some classes on uh, Yoga Vibes, which is a website that started many years ago. And so I have classes on both of those and also some mini little lectures and some short meditations. Awesome. And so... <laughs> But it's, you know, it's a start to get us to drop to focus. And then if we can sit longer, that's great too, you know. And I'm in L.A. for two more weeks, uh, teaching for this week and next week. And before I, I pull away for a month and I do practice and study. And I invite anyone and everyone to come see me afterwards because I'm probably going to be somewhat juicy. I, you know, this past year has already been preparing me. It's going to be a powerful study with my teacher. So I'm looking forward to it. I'll try to get in on some of that. Okay. Thank you, Jamie. Yes, thank you again. Mm-hmm.